0: Thank you for listening to the Equip podcast hosted at Rocky Creek in Greenville, South Carolina. This weekly course seeks to equip our church to do lifestyle ministry. We pray it will help you as well. We're going to look at uh, prioritizing prayer. And uh, in this, there's some worthwhile examples there about what this looks like because I I know that None of us are ever going to encourage our prayer life by accident. It's never going to get better just by like, oh, you have to put some intentionality as in anything in life, right? We have to show some intentionality to it. So some of the worthwhile examples that are here, I wanted to start with Nehemiah. Uh, If you look in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 and 5, it says, And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile was in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. The reason why I bring Nehemiah into this is, is that here he is at a very low place in his life. And he says, You know what I want to do? I need to pray. Uh, here's a rough moment, and so he's he's mourning, he's fasting, and he just goes to the Lord in prayer. He says that he hears the words that, that, that the that God's people are in trouble, and it says he sat down, he wept, he mourned four days, and continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Probably some of us have had those moments in prayer that have just been kind of more like anything. They're, they sound more just a lot of tears, a lot of frustration, a lot of sorrow, and yet it's honest kind of prayers. And so, uh, with this, he's continuing fasting. He's continuing praying, uh, going before the God of heaven. And then he says, well, I "Love his prayer is." He goes, "O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps stead, uh, keeps covenant, steadfast love with those who love Him and keep His commandments." And so, this this beautiful thing is God. He starts off by praying by what he knows about God. God, I know you are these things. I know that you are awesome. I know that you are great. I know that you do keep covenant. I know that you have steadfast love. And I know that you love me above all else, right? That he says, I know that when I pray to you that you love me and you keep my commandments. And so he starts with what he knows. Then we look at Daniel. We spent a few months looking at Daniel. Uh, and in chapter 6, this is when, uh, if you remember, he has been told not to pray uh, towards Jerusalem, not to pray to anybody other than that big uh, uh, to the king and it's um, all the different things. And what does he do? It says, verse 10... When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. So they tell him, don't pray to anybody else. And he goes, okay. And he opens the windows and just does his routine. And why I I love that so much is, um, he didn't start a routine after the rule came about. He had been in the routine. And he wasn't going to let the government tell him when or when or how he could pray. He was going to say, I'm, I'm going to do this. I've been doing this for decades now, and I'm not going to change it. So just as he heard that the document had been signed, he goes to his place at his time, and he continues to do what he's doing. And I, I think it is neat because, uh, as we're going to see in a moment, Jesus had certain places that he loved to pray, certain times he loved to pray. And there were certain routines to it. Um, so for us, typically, when we think about the times that we pray, uh, obviously, we, we would pray before a meal. Uh, many of us might pray in the morning time. You might pray before you go to bed. Uh, you might pray on the spot. Oh, Lord, help me. I'm about to you know, do something ridiculous. Um, but as, as we're open and honest about it, but I love Daniel's example because he had a set routine three times a day. Got to think it's morning, noon, and night, some variation of this. These are the times, and he prays towards Jerusalem, he prays towards where the presence of God in his mind is essentially located. And when they found him, what do they find him doing? They found him praying, doing what Daniel always is doing. That was kind of his example. Now, when we get to the life of Jesus, what I love about this is uh, through some of these verses that we'll look at, it really shows just kind of the, the nature of it. Because obviously, as we, we look at um, when Jesus gives the, the um Sermon on the Mount and teaches on prayer. It's obviously our foundational piece of what prayer is supposed to look like. But I also love the fact that um, in Luke's gospel, in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, the disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray. Because when you pray, stuff happens, we see it. And uh, and so when you look at these verses, you you notice some things about Jesus' prayer life. The first thing is in Mark 135. It says, and rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. So what do we know about Jesus' prayer life, at least how it started? <laughs> He's an early riser, right? He's somebody who gets up early in the morning and gets after it. All right, let me ask you this question. When did you start waking up real early? Okay, like when was that point where you didn't need an alarm clock anymore, you just kind of woke up early? I can remember like in, in uh, you know, we always talk about when you start becoming an adult, you you, you don't sleep as much, or you just kind of, I I Rarely, the only time I'll have to have an alarm is if I have to be up really early, okay? There's kind of a a pattern. You just kind of have, you know, ways that we wake up, right, Uh, typically. Well, Jesus uh, rose early in the morning while it was still dark. The sun had not um, risen yet, and he went out to a desolate place. There's nobody around, and that's where he's going to pray. Now, what is unique about Jesus' time in prayer in the morning is this. At the the time before sunrise, guess how many people are wanting Jesus' attention? Nobody. So now, when it was during the day, guess how many people wanted Jesus' attention? Everybody. It never stopped. Uh, Poor guy was, um, found out his cousin had been beheaded. He tries to go off and pray, and people should follow him. (laughs) I'm going to have some alone time, guys. Okay, we'll go with you. Okay, great. And there they are waiting for him. And everywhere he he went, there's always one more need, one more issue, one more thing to address. And so why would Jesus pray early in the morning before sunrise? I think he knew it was the only time he was going to get in quiet. Um, And so, um, early in the morning, no one else is typically clamoring for your attention. And so Jesus would get up, and he had certain places that he would like to go to, certain times that he would like to go to. Uh, I think it was the quote, I think it's by Martin Luther, but um, in, in those days, Martin Luther, I think he said that he spent four hours in prayer in the morning. And someone said, How in the world can you do that? You know, you have so much stuff you have to get to. He says, I am so busy, there's no way I can do what God's called me to do unless I pray four hours a day. Like in the morning time, he just said, I've got to, I've got to get all this stuff reoriented, right? I got to... And so he would just pray, and then the rest of the day was kind of like feet to those prayers. But Jesus, in this example, shows us that. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. At this moment, he's about to select his disciples, so it seems like Jesus um, prayed all night to determine if Peter was on the team or not. Now, this is what always goes in the back of my mind whenever I read that passage. Did Jesus need to pray all night to figure out if Peter was a disciple or not? I don't think he did. I, I don't think in any stretch of his imagination he's agonizing on. I don't know. Joe over there would be a good option, okay? You know, Peter or Joe, Peter or Joe. Like, I, think, I think he knew who the 12 disciples were gonna be. I think he knew who Judas was gonna be. I think he knew what Judas was gonna do. So why did he spend all night in prayer over a decision? As an example for us. Sometimes you're gonna be in a place in life and you need to do more than the quick five minute. God, will you just help me out? It's like, no, you need, you need to agonize a little bit. Spend a little bit of time where you're really focusing and really working through something in prayer. Um, First, first time um, when I was getting ready to go, on my first international mission trip to Japan, um, we were in uh, Colorado into this training um, experience kind of deal. And one of the things they had scheduled for us, we were in the classroom setting like all week long. But on, on one Saturday that month, they said, uh, on Saturday, we're taking a field trip. We're going to be um, taking up what they called a dog, D-A-W-G. And I was like, what does that mean? They said, it's called a day alone with God. And I was like, oh, well, what are we going to do? They're like, well, we're not going to do anything. We're going to drop you off in a van in a national park, and you're going to spend the day alone with God. And so I'm going, what am I going to do? Like, what do you mean? They're like, we'll drop you off by 8 o'clock. We'll pick you up around 5. And, you know, take what you need to take with you, but you don't have any contact with anybody else other than the Lord. Well, I was... I'll be honest with you, I was scared to death. I'm like, what in the world am I gonna do for a full day? You know, I struggle sometimes that fifteen minutes and, and Bible study and prayer. Like, what am I gonna I was I guess eighteen, nineteen. Um, and uh so I remember we, they took us out in the Colorado this national park and I'd brought so many books and so many, you know, so much music to listen to and so many different things I was gonna do. And I just thought, well, I'm gonna have to make up the time somewhat. And I remember, you know, first off, just trying to walk around and find a place and finally found like, the spot that I liked. And it was just by this stream. It was real beautiful. There was a shade or whatnot. And then, I mean, I really felt like I just started just looking around and just being in awe of God, being in creation a little bit. Uh, just stopping and just kind of getting a fresh air. And it was just it was invigorating for me. And so I just started praying and thanking God for what he's done and, and the creation that he made and, and just spending some time. And before I knew it, the morning had been gone, you know. By the end of the day, there were a lot of books I never cracked open, and I did find myself like, I I can spend, there was plenty of stuff to talk about, there's plenty of stuff to learn, and and I found so much benefit to that time that I had, Um, and yet, in my mind, I go, gosh, even for me to think about fitting that in my calendar right now, that sounds like a big sacrifice, I go, or is it, you know, for me? um, typically around september i would try to get one day where i go somewhere to a park somewhere and i just get in the word and in prayer and say god where, what sermon series do we want to do for the next year just i it, i can i don't know if i can do that in this office you know there's always somebody like hey one second can i ask you for something You're like right, sometimes you need that that alone extended time right and so here is jesus giving an example of a long period of time continuing in prayer to god in matthew fourteen twenty three, it says this about jesus And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Now, this happens after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Now, once again, if I've fed 5,000 people and people are celebrating me and honoring me, I just kind of hang around them. (laughs) Hey, y'all want to keep bragging on me for a little bit? Yeah, I'll stick around. And what did he do? He went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. So he spends time talking to the Lord, exemplifying for us what he taught on the Sermon on the Mount. When you pray... Go off to the side. Don't don't always have to be praying in front of people. Spend some time alone with your father. Turn the page over in Luke chapter twenty two, we notice something interesting about Jesus. It says he came out and went, as was his custom, to the Mount of Olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw, and he knelt down and prayed. Uh, when it says that he came out and went as was his custom to the Mount of Olives, what does that show us about the Mount of Olives about Jesus? Favorite spot of his. We all have those, right? You have a favorite spot you like to go to? Maybe in your house, maybe in your backyard, maybe somewhere in a national park, and you just go and you're like, oh, this, this is a sweet spot for me. Um, when I go to certain places, there are uh, different places that I've been in the world that it's just kind of like, It's a place I remember God's faithfulness. Like, I remember sitting there at that beach when God said this to me. I remember being on this mountaintop when this happened. And sometimes being in those areas, it just reminds you of certain things. So when he comes out, Jesus is saying he had favorite places to pray. He had actual places that he loved to pray more than others. And typically they were away from people. (laughs) They were quiet spots where he could get alone. And, And so he says, hey, pray that you may not enter into temptation. They withdrew. Uh, just about a stone's throw away, and, and then he knelt down and he prayed. And obviously we know what he's praying for here. He's getting near the cross and, and praying in the garden. And, and so we see in, in this that Jesus had a certain place that he would love to go to. Um, I think about probably one of the best prayer warriors in my life was a lady named Miss Judy. Um, Miss Judy was a, um, her husband, Scott Smith, is the Lander BCM minister. He's been there for almost 40 years now. Um, Judy um, was in a car accident probably mm, 25 years ago, and they gave her um, days to live, and it made weeks, then went to months, and I think she lived about, um, I guess, about 20 years longer than anybody anticipated her living. Uh, She was very much um, not in a handicap situation as far as needing a wheelchair, but needing a cane and needing to be guided and taken care of everywhere that she went. So here's Scott, a campus minister with a wife who needs every morning for him to put on her shoes and to lotion her feet so she can, you know, just sort of endure through that to get her where she needed to go. Um, And when you would sit down and you would talk to Miss Judy, um, and there were even times where I would go to see her in the hospital, especially in some of those later years where it was kind of touch and go at certain times, I'd walk in there where the doctors are saying, she's got days. And I walk in there, Miss Judy. How are you doing? Oh, Travis, good to see you. How's your family doing? I'm like, Miss Judy, they're fine. How can I be praying for you? Well, let me tell you something, Travis. I was praying for you the other day, and I'm like, Miss Judy, right? And and she, she felt like her ministry was prayer. She said, you know, back in the day, when I could walk and go and go on mission trips and do the kind of stuff that Scott was doing, I think that I thought somehow that I could do better than pray. But now that I'm can all I can do is pray? I realized that's the best thing I ever could do, and I think that Miss Judy probably did more work sitting in her rocking chair in her living room, which was her prayer chair, than most of us do scurrying out of ours. You know, like every day she'd get up there. She had a stack of journals by that chair, prayer journals that through the years she just written things in, just just going. So sometimes you get a note from her and saying she'd been praying for this. Uh, when she passed away um, a few years ago. Um, Scott started going through the prayer journals. He always said he couldn't go through them until after she passed away. And he started going through it, and he said, there are prayers that she prayed for you five or ten years ago that have come true now, like that I never even knew about. There's your name mentioned and stuff that she's just prayed specifically for you and about your family, And, and I'm just going through and going, check, check, check. And this is what's crazy. Some of those prayers were answered after her death. And just think about how our prayers can live on even beyond us you know and 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 this is the beautiful thing she just felt like my my ministry is all right i'm I'm gonna sit in this chair and and i'm I'm gonna pray and so she would sit in this chair her favorite chair every day stack of journals there and she would just get to work on it and who knows how many countless people she impacted for the kingdom right there and so i look at the life of jesus who had certain places and certain times and different things and i go when i think through examples like miss judy i go maybe there's some kind of rhyme reason to it Uh, Luke 11 1 it says now Jesus was praying in a certain place and when he finished one of his disciples said to him Lord teach us to pray as John taught his disciples and once again This is where the Lord's prayer comes And so I want to put this down as scheduled times because I think honestly We know that we should be praying without ceasing, but I don't think that happens by accident I think you have to somewhat be intentional about certain things to make it a more priority Um, I uh, I know this but I schedule everything. I think it's important you know I put reminders on my to-do list that remind me on my phone. Every week, Wednesday night, take out the trash because I don't want to pay for something that I didn't get done. Okay? Like I, every week, you think by some point, you get home from church and you go take your trash out. I just know me. I'll forget. I'll be thinking about something else. So Every week, it reminds me, you need to take out the trash. Uh, there are every so many days, I'm reminded, hey, you need to check on such and such missionary. Every so many days, hey, remember, you need to go look in this folder and make sure you've done your... To- like, it just, it's reminders, and so in the same way, like what type of things that we can do to teach ourselves to pray? Uh, is a certain place? Is a certain time? I have a friend who um, has his watch beep every hour on the hour, and it's a call to prayer. So she goes, some, he stops and he goes, he's looking at Keith, he's going to say, okay, I'm going to pray for Keith right now, whatever it is, right? Just a certain way. Some of you go through prayer journals, some of you have different places that you go through. Here's some things to think through. The more we prioritize scheduled prayer, the more often we will gravitate towards spontaneous prayer. I think the more that we actually schedule times of prayer, uh, I know the goal of spontaneous prayer where you're walking and you're talking with God all the time, but I don't think that happens by accident. I think you have to somehow teach and train yourself to do that. And one of the main reasons that you can do that is because you actually do prioritize scheduled prayer. It might be a day alone with God, or it might be a every morning routine, or it might be that your watch is beeping and and telling you to do certain things. Um, That's an important aspect for us to do: is to say, okay. So the more that we prioritize scheduled prayer, so I put something on the calendar, the more often we'll gravitate towards spontaneous prayer. Um, Most things happen in our life because we put a place and a time on our calendar. Um, You're here tonight because you saw this as more. helpful to your soul in the Super Bowl, okay, at least for right now, okay, or at least DVR it whatever, you said, this is important to me. Why? You put it on the calendar. You came to a place, and typically speaking, you can say that you love your spouse, but if you don't spend time together, it's not showing it itself, right? you got to have, like, okay, we're going to meet together. We're going to talk. We're going to have an appointment. We're going to get together. And so with that, even with prayer, is there a place and a time that you put on the calendar that you're actually going to pray? There are certain times of the day when you are less distracted or more alert, right? Uh, there are certain times of the day when you are less distracted or more alert. Um, some of you would consider yourself morning people, right? Some of you consider yourself night owls. Some of you consider yourself both, okay? you just kind of burning both in, right? Maybe one or the other. Um, I know this. There are certain times today I, I, I like to get more of my time, of devotion, and the Word and prayer in the morning time for the same reason I think Jesus did. Nobody, you know, nobody needs anything at five or six in the morning. Nobody's asking for anything at that point. So let me get up and, and, and do that. And That's just kind of my typical routine. The only time that I, I won't do that naturally is if I stay up too late watching a basketball game or something, you know. And then I'm like, oh, I feel behind all day, and I'm trying to catch up. But if I, if I do this, there are certain times of the day when I'm less distracted or more alert. I I feel a more focused in the morning, but sometimes i got to wake up you know, a little bit. i got to make sure that I, I'm alert. Uh, and so certain areas to do that. In addition, there are certain places that are less cluttered and more focused. Right? Uh, there are certain places that are less cluttered and more focused. It is hard to pray about spiritual matters when you are like overwhelmed with a stack of stuff on your desk or or reminders of things that you got to do. And it's just like it's a reminder. You need to stop praying and get to some of this stuff. And so it's almost like you have to find a place that is a quiet, still spot for you just to say, okay, I I can talk to the Lord uh, and I I don't have anywhere to to go or anything that is um, really distracting me. Do any of you all have a certain place or a certain time that you would gravitate towards that you would just say, this is my favorite chair, this is my favorite geographical location, or this is a certain time of day, what would you say? Anybody? Nighttime? Night good good focus time for you? Good. Mine's first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning? Well, Reed we and I do it together. Right? Yeah. 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 Sitting there in the morning. Yep. I, later in the day, I get, if I get in my chair, yeah. that's it. I'm done. <laughs> so, <you're> right. <laughs> so did I even say, I, I, I think I said this in the evening service today, but... but um, I really have found out that that the more that I can pray out loud, the better focused I can be. If I if I if I'm not speaking it out loud, I'm I'm drifting back and forth between prayer and concern about stuff I've forgotten to do. And just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Yeah, I'm just I'm, just, and I'm daydreaming. And I'm thinking about this and thinking about that. And I'm going, oh yeah, I'm supposed to be praying. But if I'm actually having a conversation like I'm having with you all, when I'm praying, I find myself, you know what? I just keep, I'm talking to God. So, so um, I always laugh because um, when when I was in college, you know, I was telling some of the college students, you need to do this where you're praying out loud. I know you got a roommate; they'll get over it. But um, I remember when I was in trouble in one of my Greek classes, and and. Uh, college and the reason i was in trouble was just because i hadn't been studying and so i had to start get up early in the morning and reviewing my flashcards and i'll never forget it i wake up early in the morning and my, my roommate was over the side and he was a, a big grumpy bear that i have to make sure i don't wake up but i just had my little greek flashcards there one morning and i and i have my eyes closed and and i'm just repeating them over like kairos. You know, he's kind of at stuff, whatever. And I, I think he's asleep, but I'm just saying it right underneath my breath. I look over there. He's staring at me. His eyes are big. He's like, dude, you can speak in tongues? And I was like, no. I'm sorry. He was just so sure that I was over there speaking in tongues. I said, no, no, no. He goes, yeah, you were. I just saw you. I said, these are Greek flashcards. He's like, man, I was hoping that. And um, But, you know, speaking just so even just quietly, just quietly, even if you're hoping not to wake up somebody, but just I think it helps me focus my attention and my thoughts versus just keeping eyes closed. If, I, if, I have my, if I'm kneeling, if, my, if I'm speaking, I, I just feel more focused in, in what I do. Um, you might feel the same way. Uh, I believe this. You can pray anytime, anywhere, about anything, but you can pray better at certain times and certain places about certain things. I just really do. I know that prayer needs to be something that at any point you can call on God, and there is an opportunity. Uh, probably the best prayer... Um, quiet prayer time that I had, you know, was early this morning, uh, but then I also had a great prayer time in the car on the way over here. Uh, there was a quick, oh Lord, help me know how to go through this situation right now, you know, but just, I know that happens, but there are also certain times, that if I want more long, focused periods of times, there's just certain ways that I can do better in, you know, than others, and I have to be very careful about making sure that I'm putting myself in a successful spot to do that. Um, I know that the scripture says for us, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, to pray without ceasing or pray continually. Uh, I will never pray continually if I, if I don't first pray intentionally. Um, it's not going to happen. So um, 1 Thessalonians 5.17 is, I know it seems like an overarching how in the work we do. When, when Paul says pray without ceasing, obviously I think Paul wants us to eat. I think obviously Paul wants us to talk. Obviously, Paul wants us to sleep, but he should say prayer should be so natural that you can go in and out of it um, at any point. Prayer is kind of like your cell phone. You remember the days, like I remember somebody told um a family member said, I called you earlier and you didn't answer. I was like, Yeah. And remember back in the day when we had those landlines, and if, you, if I wasn't there, you left a voicemail, you know, on the answer machine, not voicemail, on the answer machine, and you play back the tape when you got home. And then if it was okay, you'd call back. But these things have taught us, oh, no, you've got to be accessible at all times, right? Well, in, in prayer, it's kind of this idea. You've got the phone with you, and at any point where you need to talk to God, you can talk to Him. You know, it's, it's not like... But I think there's also certain times that's just better for conversation. Uh, there are certain times where you've got to make sure that okay, there's not going to be any static, any interference, anything else competing for my attention here to do this. So you have to learn how to pray intentionally. And relationships need times of deep communication, to endure through times of rushed connection. Um, in any relationship, um, you can have a rushed connection where how's your day, everything okay, you got this taken care of, I've got that squared away, whatever, and you're rushing through it. Relationships, marriage, family, working relationships can endure through that as long as you have longer times of true deep communication that you can have. And so there are a lot of times in the day where it is, oh, Lord, help me and help me now, and that's about all the prayer I <laughs> can get out, and then you're in the middle of it. But I think that those things can work as long as you're fostering longer times where you're really more focused and you're really connected. You can have those moments, but if all it is just like, oh, help me, uh, and not the times where you're it's in any other relationship, same way. If all we're doing is just really quick, passing the hallway, giving this, sharing that, we're, we're not really getting deep in our relationship with one another. And so some of these prayer strategies, I put these out, some of these I've shared before, but these are some that that if you feel stagnant, if you feel stuck, if you feel like uh, I'm just kind of doing the same thing over and over, here's some of the things I do. Uh, Daily Psalm, uh, use one psalm a day to direct your prayers. Um, This is what I've been using for a few years now. So today, um, being um, the 7th of February, I will take the calendar day of the month and I will pray either Psalm 7 or 37 or 67 or 97 or 127. Uh, today I'm on Psalm 67 uh, May God be gracious to us and bless us Let let all the people It actually was what we sang about today Let all the peoples praise you, oh God Which was perfect um, And uh, But it, it just gives me a psalm And so what I do is I will look at that psalm And I'll use it as a springboard to pray So let the peoples praise you, O God Let all the peoples praise you And I go, you know what? I haven't prayed for the three or Pelora people in Senegal in a long time Now would be a good time to do that You know? Uh, let all the people praise you. You know what God we want something to happen over at Woodside Baptist Church And, and, I, and I need it. As, it's just a springboard, right? It's just helping me jump off into something Sometimes you get to a psalm that says how long O oh Lord how long am I gonna suffer here and you not do anything about it? And some mornings I wake up and I go I don't feel that right now But you know who does so-and-so and I'm gonna pray this for them right now And it just gives it gives me I think clarity of how to speak to God. And so I sit there and I'll just sort of talk and, and share through it. And so using those psalms a day, now you you do get into certain places like um, Psalm 137, which are a little uncomfortable. It's called imprecatory psalms, which is like, God, I want you to get our enemies and bash their kids' heads against the rock or something like this. And you go, okay, do you pray that? Yeah, this is what I pray in those moments. God, I pray that you would work against the forces of evil that are trying to slow you down in this world. Do whatever you got to do to get the attention, to stop those things. And so using that as a springboard, uh, and within five months you pray through all uh, 150 psalms, and then you start over and and go again. So a daily psalm. Uh, The second one is a weekly schedule. Plan weekly what daily focus will be to avoid monotony. So so you can plan weekly what daily focus will be to avoid monotony. Um, If you ever feel like I'm praying the same thing every day, same words every day, same people every day, and I feel like I'm stuck. It may be because you are. If you are married and you have the same conversation with your spouse every day, that can be a little troublesome, right? Okay, how was your day? Mine was fine. It's just like, you know, cliches, right? To move past that. So, so this is what I would encourage you to do if you ever feel stuck. Um, you can pray for your family every day. That's great. But you might say, you know what? On Sundays, I'm going to pray for these people. And on Mondays, I'm going to pray for these types of people. And on Tuesdays, and within a week's time, you just kind of have a plan. Um, so when I've done this at different times in my life, Sundays are a good day that I, I think through all my pastor friends, and I'll just start praying for them on, in the morning. Okay, will you pray for Philip? Will you pray for Wayne? Will you pray for Alex? Will you, God, will you use them? It's just a good day for me to pray for them. Um, Monday, you could do something as simple as uh, Missionary Monday. Okay, here are my missionary friends that I could pray for on Monday. And I start going through. And I don't pray for the missionaries every single day of the week. But when I do it really focuses my attention to them on how to do it. Um, you might think through, of I, I pray for this group of the family. You might pray for certain uh, ministries that you can you think of. Or it may be just even having certain categories that you think through. I'm going to pray for these issues on this day, the, these issues on that day. Uh, there's some other stuff that I've always seen um, that you, you can find. But it's just good kind of have a routine of, of when you pray for certain people. Um, uh, you might even have a day where you say... Um, I meet with my gospel group on Wednesday. Wednesday's a good day to go down my list and say, I want to pray for these people, right? Just go go down that list and start thinking through it. Um, The occasional emphasis. um, Incorporate unique ways to make prayer engaging, okay? Because if prayer gets boring, you stop doing it, okay? And if you say the same thing over and over, it is boring. So incorporate unique ways to make prayer engaging. Um, I gave Eli this book a couple years ago. It's a kind of version of something that I got when I was in college. It's from... Uh, the version I got was called Operation World, which was basically looking at every nation in the world and giving you prayer focuses for that nation. And so you just go through every day and say, okay, today I'm on China, or today I'm on Ethiopia. And it would say, okay, it's this percent Christian here, and there's some of the major prayer strategies you need to. And it was interesting because it's educating and thinking through different things, and uh, it's beautiful to think about. I'm praying for people I may never, ever go see, but God, you're using that. I have found uh, a great uh, example as well uh, that you can use. Um, one thing that um, somebody showed me a long time ago is that at Christmas time, keep all the Christmas cards that you get and put them in a box or a basket or something. And what you can do is um, put all those Christmas cards in a basket in your, at your dining room table, and when it comes time for dinner, you say, okay, we're about to pray, and you take one card out of the basket, and you say, ah, this is who we're praying for today. We're praying for the Robertsons today. OK, it's just a reminder like, OK, and you just start and you just look at them and say, OK, before we eat dinner tonight, we're going we're to pray for Robertson's. And so you know, may not know what's going on, but it's somebody different to pray for than just praying the same thing, uh, you know, just going through the routine. Right. And so you just go through all those cards. And then when you get rid of those cards, guess what? Put them all in there again. And you just start going through. Uh, it can be a unique way, especially with kids, I think, just to sort of keep it engaging. Uh, can be a, a wonderful way. Uh, occasional emphasis, you, you can look and say, um, I always think through different... the um, guy discipled me in seminary talked about looking for prayer um, triggers, I think is what he called, that would kind of trigger you to prayer. So if you, if you drive by and you see a for sale sign in your neighborhood, that should trigger you to pray. What are we praying for? Well, God... Pray for whoever comes in this, you know that that moves out of here that they're going to, you know, live next to some Christian neighbors or they're going to have somebody near them that we could point them to God. For whoever's coming in, God, will you open up a door for me to be able to share the gospel with you uh, when you go by a school? Are there things to pray for? Well, yeah. Uh, you go by a church? Are there things to pray for? That's not even our church. Yeah, there's there's plenty of stuff to pray for. Um, there are uh, sometimes I'll see certain things on a church sign. I go, yeah. We definitely need to pray for them right now, right? And you just you use it as opportunities to, to call out for the Lord. Uh, you see an ambulance that stop. You see a car wreck. It's a call to prayer right there, you know. Uh, whatever it is, it's just a moment. You don't have to know the situation. Let, let, let's pray for that uh, person. And sometimes uh, you get out and say, okay, I, I can remember uh, one time we were driving by. Um, There's this wreck that happened just literally in front of us, and I had to swerve over to miss it. Uh, this intersection at 72 in Greenwood, and... Um, I told Amanda, and I said, oh, gosh, you, know, you think everybody's okay? And I said, Maybe we should pray. And she goes, you need to get out and do something. I was like, y- yes, ma'am, okay. <laughs> so I remember we did pray in the car, and then I jumped out and tried to help this lady, right? There, there are those times. But when those moments happen, I think God's inviting us to be a part of what's happening and to not to pray uh, even in those moments. And then the last thing is, is seasonal time. Uh, schedule longer times for prayer and reflection. Uh, if we're going to have to have those spontaneous times, we're going to have those times where we're popping in and popping out. I would encourage you that maybe in your daily schedule, there are certain blocks of time. Maybe on a weekly schedule, there's a little bit more time. Maybe quarterly or annually. Um, I, have, I have friends who say, you know what? Uh, I have a daily time of prayer. I have a weekly time that's a little bit longer. And once a year, I spend a day alone with God. Or every quarter, I go and do these different things. And spending a little bit longer with it. And I think that the, the main thing when we think about it, we learn how to pray by praying. The more we pray... Uh, the more I think dependent we become on it and I don't think that prayer needs a lot more proof in our lives. We've seen it happen. We just need more practice. And um yes, sir.
1: Okay, so I, yep. I got it filed away. I got a great filing system. It's there somewhere I just can't find. That's right. So, yeah. so this goes back uh, years ago, I thought it was Baptist Curry or something, but somewhere there was a thing where you could uh, submit questions to like Billy Graham who, like, Yeah. like dear Eloise or whatever, yeah. So By yeah. And it, it basically says that even though you know you may be in heaven and you can't really pray the prayer as a human as you would before, sure. that God would still continue to honor those prayers even though you're not physically here to pray those prayers.
0: Absolutely. If you if you remember about it, I think it's a great example. But um, remember what David wanted to build that God said no to. David wanted to build the temple. And God said, "No, you're a man of war, and there's too much, there's there's too much on your rap sheet. You're, you're not going to do that, but your son can." And so what does David do? He prays for it. He prays that certain things would happen, that all the resources would come about, all these different things happen, and the temple's not erected until he's dead, gone. And then when it's opened up, you go back and you go, "What David prayed for actually happened." And yeah, I, I think that. There are certain things that people in my life that I've seen that I've prayed that the answers didn't come until afterwards, but the way that God works. I mean, just it's just amazing to see what could take place. That even um, a friend of mine who's an evangelist, he always says, whenever I go to anybody to share Christ, I'm always thinking, somewhere behind this person is a grandma who's praying. <laughs> there's, all, there's a grandma who's praying somewhere in this for this person right here, and I'm, I'm coming and stepping in that. And so, you know, you, you think through it and go, yeah, how God could be using that in different ways, and then you think of how my prayers could be used to even do something that we we never could see here. You know that maybe maybe I don't see it with my own eyes here on this earth, but to know that we get to be a part of something that could last for eternity is is just incredible to think through. Uh, it it is a beautiful thing. My um, I, I loved the the thought of just of Jesus's attitude, like hey, just get to work and pray with the Lord because when we're praying and he, he he's. He does things that reminds us of that he's faithful, he's near, he's present, he's hearing, and he's active. So, um, once again, prayer doesn't need more proof; just needs more practice. So this week, let's make sure we have that opportunity to do it. So, um, our Father tonight, we do thank you again for the fact that you desire to hear prayers from us. And uh, Lord, we we, we want to thank you for how wonderful and great you are. Thank you for sending Jesus, who taught us how to pray. Thank you for this uh, sending the Spirit who uh, helps us uh, in our struggles when we we don't know how to pray. God, we thank you right now also that um, that through our prayers that we get to be a part of what you're doing in the kingdom and that you are um, uh, changing lives here in this church and around Greenville County and even to the ends of the earth by what we get to be a part of. And God, we're just asking for that to continue to happen. Lord, meet um, all of our needs here today, Uh, not so that we could somehow get greedy, but that we could turn and see how we could help others with it. God, we thank you that you um, that you have forgiven us of our sins, and Lord, help us be aware of when we have transgressed against you, and, and also if any relationship we need to fix. And God, we, we do pray that you would help uh, lead us away from temptation. Help us make sure that we don't get into any more um, situations uh, sounding alarm when we get close, and Lord, allow us to be people of prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us at the Equip Podcast. Make sure you get your notes and all of the downloads that you need to continue to be equipped for the work of the ministry. You can get all the resources for this episode or other Equip episodes at rockycreek.church.